0: Check it out! Welcome to Top of the Class. Hear from education experts and get insights from high achievers to learn how you can do the same. Get into those top schools. Ready? Proudly presented by Crimson Education, the world's leader in university admission support. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the How I Got In podcast as part of the Top of the Class podcast, of course. I'm delighted to be joined by Wayne, all the way from London. Are you based in London, Wayne? I am. I I go to school just outside London at a boarding school, but um, I'm currently at home in Surrey. All right, fantastic. Well, yeah, I just kind of assumed you're from London. Well, it's great that you're available and we've made the time zones work and we've made it all work, which is fantastic. Wayne, welcome to the show. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Wayne. I am a um, sixth form student at Harrow School in London, UK. And um, I've been boarding for the past 10 years, so I've been in an all-boys boarding school since I was eight. Um, I moved over to this country originally from China back when I was eight, and um, yeah, I've lived here since. Um, in terms of academics, um, I'm, taking, I'm doing the A-level curriculum, and I'm taking four A-levels at the moment, so uh, triple science and maths, and I'm predicted A-stars in all four of them. And in terms of sport, um, I'm a big rugby fan, so... Watching and playing, as well as um, I play squash in my free time as well. And um, talking about my free time, I like to I like building drones in my free time, as well as um, just to
0: tinker with a bit of engineering as well. Fantastic! Building drones is something that I didn't think uh, many students could do, unless like you had all the access to all the equipment and parts. How do you come across all that?
1: Yeah, so we. Um, yeah, that, that's very true. You know, to build a drone, you do need quite a lot of equipment and parts and quite specialized parts. So when I got to Harrow uh, back when I was 13, I realized we didn't have any of those. So I started um, the school's drone society and sort of requested and reached out for funding. And slowly but surely, we built up an arsenal of equipment and parts, uh, sp- you know, specialized parts for drone society you know, now we started Drone Society with three members and now we're up to about 35 with uh, weekly meetings and lessons and lectures, often aimed at uh, getting younger kids to get in that doorstep. to like to sort of introduce them into the world of engineering and drones and then they can use Drone Society as a place of discussion and as a stepping stone for their own endeavours.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So I'm going to guess that was one of your main extracurriculars that you use when applying to the US and you also applied to the UK. But let's go with the US first and foremost, as you have, as we just talked off air, committed to Duke University, which is awesome. So going yes. through that application process to the US and extracurricular profile wise and everything else, was it mainly engineering drone society has been like the main thrust of your application Were there other elements?
1: Um there were there were definitely other elements. I think I had a pretty um i, I keep myself pretty busy just um even before thinking about applications you know I, I there was a lot going on at school but um I'd say my main extracurricular was a uh bioethics competition which I coined uh two and uh, two and a bit years ago now and um it was a debating competition focused in bioethics uh between the different schools um around Harrow, so around our school the different state schools around our school. And um, it was a community outreach focused program. So sort of giving opportunities to students who may not have had the debating experience and chance to debate uh, into addressing sort of topical bioethical questions that might not be touched upon in class.
0: Right. And so bioethical questions could be like, is it right to clone someone or, you know, these kinds of things, right?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we we had a board of um, sort of the School Biology Society. We sort of sat down and thought about the motions that we could use. And some of them we came up with were, you know, there were some sensitive topics like eugenics and um, specifically. And then there were also topical topics like the COVID vaccine and the vaccine distribution and all that stuff. But there were also more sort of um, hypothetical questions like I remember one motion was uh, this This house believes that we should not be able to live forever, even if we had the choice to, Mm -hmm. and the ethical implications of being able to be, you know, become essentially immortal. So those are some very, very interesting topics that, you know, the boys and the girls get into very heated discussions about.
0: So when you were applying to the US, if you could sum up your kind of, Wayne is a student who is this, 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 and this, like a couple of different elements to your application. How do you think the admission officers ended up reviewing your application as?
1: I think I would say Wayne is a passionate and multifaceted student in terms of with many diverse interests and a specific
0: focus on sport and debating. Okay. So rugby was like a big part of your application, you feel, as well? Uh, yeah, I I definitely think,
1: I mean, rugby is a big part of what I do to sort of keep myself balanced in terms of academia and, um, you know, rugby is what I use to form lots of friendships, you know, and a lot of my socializing goes, comes from rugby as well as, you know, that takes my mind off things, off the academic pressure. And that's how I balance this sort of work play lifestyle.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, it's an interesting application to have that biochemistry and rugby usually the two don't go together I guess (laughs) I mean generalizing I I used to play rugby as well but generalizing against uh, rugby players there maybe you're a back not a forward what position do you play I I actually play flanker okay well that's somewhere in between so we'll give you a pass (laughs) on that one um but yeah so it's an interesting application but were you applying for sports scholarships at all in the U.S. because I know a couple of schools do it no okay not at all and so it's mainly just on the academic route and you applied to a couple of schools in the U.S. You ended up getting into Duke. You've committed to Duke. Uh, what are you looking forward to most about studying there?
1: Oh, I am looking forward to the sort of the sense of community that Duke has. You know, that's what really drew me. Um, I remember getting in and, you know, I was so excited getting in. But, the you know, an hour after I had the letter of acceptance, um you know, there was a welcome party on Zoom. Obviously, you know, I can't fly over, but you know, there was a welcome party and a whole event and everyone was very excited and very friendly. And it was sort of like I had been invited into this and absorbed into this family, into this community that was buzzing with life. So, you know, just talking to people, I guess, that's what I'm most excited about and sort of getting to know their background and what they're there for and what they want to study and what they want to do and all that
0: stuff. Yeah. Is it a pretty usual path for students at Harrow to head to the US?
1: I would say uh, about, so we're a school of, of about 160 boys per year. Um, so about 800 boys over the five years. Um, and I would say about 50 of us head off each year to the US. That number is growing um, with our recent success in the US universities. And I'd say we send about two or three to Duke each year.
0: Okay. Fantastic. So you've got a couple of mates there, but it's going to be uh, meeting a whole lot of new people from all around the world. I know there's a couple of students from Australia who have headed across to Duke, and it's a, a really fantastic community, so I'm sure you'll, you'll really love it there. But let's talk a little bit about your, your essays as well because obviously that's a, a crucial part and something that I've been discussing with other students on these calls is the idea that at these top universities, academics, extracurriculars are all pretty much across the board very strong. And at some point, it's the essay that starts differentiating candidates. In, in a sense, so what did you end up uh, writing on, and what was that brainstorming process like for you?
1: I I think actually essays were probably the hardest part of my application. You know, the most difficult and the t- thing that I spent the most time on. Um, I had a difficult time brainstorming, and I was stuck between two I, two main ideas. But I eventually um, I eventually wrote uh, on the topic of ice cream actually as my main common app essay. Love it and. Um, I linked that to a memory that I had of my first flight um, outside of China coming to en- coming over to England. I remember it was 3 a.m. in the morning and I was, um, I was eight and I was sitting there and I was eating some Haagen-Dazs strawberry ice cream. And that sort of, I was in the air and not knowing what was ahead of me, but I was, you know, the excitement was there. And I sort of compared that to where I am now and sort of looking forward into college and that excitement as well. And sort of seen, and I use the essay as a as a way, an ice cream as a way of transitioning, saying how the ice cream has stayed the same, you know, all these years. But you know, I the, you know, me who was eating it at the time is completely different to who I am now, and you know, all the changes along the way and all the you know all the experiences that I've I've had.
0: Well, wow, that's such a interesting essay topic, and I can understand that it took a while to brainstorm to it because when I'm thinking about writing a personal essay. Uh, it doesn't really jump out at me to take an essay topic that, from when I was like eight years old. So, when you're working with your Crimson strategist, did you need some convincing, or did they need some convincing as to this being the right topic for you? I, I definitely needed
1: some convincing. I um I think you know I I remember my first meeting with Chima, my uh, my essay strategist, um my writing specialist. He um you know he was asking me these things, trying to get to know me a little bit more. And asking these very sort of um, direct questions, some of the, you know things that I haven't really thought about, and things that I really needed to slow down and be like, "Whoa, like I need to think about this." And you know, like it did, it did get pretty emotional the first time I talked about this stuff. And you know, because it was something that I had you know buried in the back of my mind, something I'd never really thought about, never really had time to think about. So I, I think I definitely needed some convincing to let myself speak out about this stuff and, you know, uh, sort of open up about my experiences because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a smooth ride all the way from eight. I I came here with no English background. Mm -hmm. So, you know, speaking a single word of English. And then I was, you know, obviously straight into boarding school. So that transition process wasn't easy. Um, And it's not something that, you know, I I go back to very often in my mind. So it was definitely challenging, but um, I think it was overall very positive, though, you know, my essay.
0: Yeah, fantastic. I I always find it fascinating for students who are writing a very personal essay topic with someone, right? Or like with the support or with the feedback of someone who I guess, you know, even though you've had a couple of conversations, you essentially don't know all that well. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of like a trust factor that this person is going to kind of hold these personal stories and treat them with respect because they mean a lot to you and hopefully they mean a lot to them as well. Uh in terms of that kind of feedback back and forth draft, redraft type of scenario, what was that all like? Because for me, I always find that I'd be a little bit defensive uh, if I was telling my own story.
1: Oh yeah. Um no, Chiba was great. Uh, drafts, redrafts. Um, I, I think <laughs> there was definitely quite a lot of changes in the first couple of drafts. I think the, the main comment out essay went through nothing short of nine drafts, like wow. complete readings of this. You know, the main topic, the main idea stayed the same, but, um, you know, it was a very, very rough, let's say, you know, it was a very rough diamond in the very start, you know. But, um, you know, with these drafts and redrafts and his comments, and I'd make changes and then, you know, I'd sort of counter his comments, he'd query this, I would sort of answer it and sort of resolve his queries. And over time, you know, it became what it is now. And I'm proud of it.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Which is, I guess, at the end of the day, if you can look at it and say you're proud of it, then that's the main thing. So that was your Common App essay. But you also had to write a couple of your uh, supplementary essays as well, which I think is always an interesting opportunity for universities to get to know the candidates better. Did you come across any like curveball questions from any of the colleges that you applied to that you made that pot- potentially made you think like this university is more m- for me because of the questions that they're asking?
1: Uh, yeah, I definitely there were definitely uh, some curveballs. Um, I think mainly Duke's ones were relatively easy, actually, well, relatively straightforward. Uh, there was only to, uh, one option, one compulsory one of why Duke so that was quite straightforward yep and then there were two compulsory uh optional ones uh, of which I did one of share a perspective um share something that you that's changed your perspective I think and um, that that was quite straightforward as well I think the most interesting one I had was uh it was about it was the short response questions so uh I think Yale had the 30 200 character ones mm-hmm. where it would ask you um you had to teach like a course at Yale. What would your course be called and give details of your course and what would you teach? And Princeton had things like, what brings you joy? And those, you know, on the surface, that, that thing, that looks quite easy, you know, watching Netflix or whatever, like that, that looks quite a straightforward question, but when you really think about it, it, it becomes, it becomes a lot more complicated and then you start diving into it and know you want to write a lot of things but you've only got about 50 words so that that that's definitely a um you know those were definitely challenging and i think you know one of the most challenging ones one of the longer ones was also princeton's when it asks you to share a time when you had a conversation with a person about a difficult topic and how you dealt with that and how you incorporated the knowledge from that conversation into you into into the future so that was very that was you know pretty thought-provoking
0: yeah, well, I guess they're they're trying to create a harmonious community, but a community that grows together, in a sense. And I think every college has that goal essentially. So a question like that is probably angled at that. But I'm interested in the why Duke one because I know it's quite simple and straightforward. But a lot of people are, I think, struggle with some of these essay topics, and they're they're quite pervasive across across all the universities a lot of universities ask the why this university question so what approach did you take to it and i asked that because earlier you said it was from very community focused after you got in yeah but this is before you got in right this is in the yeah. uh, application stage so at that sure. stage you didn't really know too much perhaps about the community side of things uh, uh so what uh, was your uh, angle in that why do you guys say
1: um so, I, I started the White Duke essay. I had a little bit of affiliation with Duke. So, over the summer, um, the year before I applied to college, uh, I worked with a, a research group at Yale, a bioengineering research group. And we wrote a, um, a re- review paper that's currently under review and about to be published at Active Biomaterialia. And actually, the, um, the main source, the professor that was at the sort of uh, front, bleeding edge of this technology technological research was at Duke mm. so um I reached out to him over the summer and sort of we sort of had a conversation and I really wanted to get to know him a little bit more and see you know see him teach and see him you know because he taught classes at Duke so that was my I sort of started off that that was my way in I think and um on top of that my um One of the previous uh, graduates uh, at Harrow, one of my friends uh, who graduated three years um, earlier before me, uh, who was in the exact same position as me, you know, applying to the UK and applying to the US, actually got in and went to Duke and is still at Duke right now. So I reached out to him before I was applying and sort of, you know, talked to him about the community spirit and all that stuff. And, you know, I read up about all these crazy uh, events that Duke uh, would do, you know, tenting outside the basketball stadium for eight weeks at a time, that sort of stuff so while i didn't necessarily get a real feel about you know at the about the people and the real community i definitely sort of sensed it whether that is on their website or talking to david my um my friend who's already there you know a duke alum i definitely sensed the community and that's what i focused on
0: fantastic well yeah that's uh, always good to have a bit of a insight from alarm, et cetera, to the university, which is awesome. Now, let's talk a little bit about the UK because undertaking two applications to two countries that are renowned for like the two most in-depth applications that you can possibly do, either the US or the UK, uh, is a challenge. So what made you decide to put your hat in both camps and and try and make sure that you had as many applications out as possible? And at any point, did you think, this is not worth it? I'd rather just commit to one or the other.
1: Yeah, um, I I decided to apply to the U.S. after a summer program at Yale. After doing spending two weeks at Yale doing the Yale Young Global Scholars program in 2019, where you know that was my first exposure to U.S. university style teaching and you know how it works and the campus and all that stuff, and I really liked it. I I was I you know I went into this summer program not completely oblivious of what the U.S. style of teaching and university style was like. And, um, I, I loved it. You know, I had the best two weeks of my time uh, of my life. So from that point onwards, I sort of decided that I was going to put in a couple us applications just for the, you know, I, I aimed high for the us and had the UK, you know, as sort of, I wouldn't say a backup option, but definitely a safety net there to carry me if things didn't work out in the States. And, um, by applying to Oxford, obviously oxford requires a early ucas um you know a submission as well as interview preparation and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that was definitely difficult but i think you know i got ahead of it i made sure that um when it came to crunch time for oxford all my us stuff was done and when you know when it was really crunch time for the us and you know writing essays oxford would be was still a while off so i still had time to juggle the two together so i think um was it stressful at times Yes, I think so as, you know, as the deadlines drew closer and closer, but I think these two applications are actually quite well spaced apart. If you manage your times well and start early enough that you, you know, you definitely have time to apply to both. I think it's definitely doable.
0: Was it an agonizing decision then to kind of weigh up your UK options and Duke and be like, uh, where am I going to go? Or was it an easy option for you to be like, I'm definitely going to Duke? Oh yeah. Um, it was
1: definitely very difficult for me. Um to weigh up University College London and Duke University, Um, you know, since both are great universities and, you know, both are top of their field and what they do. Um, But in the end, you know, there were pros and cons to both universities, you know, going to Duke would be, you know, completely uprooting my life and moving to another country, you know, it'd be all new and I'd have to start from scratch essentially, whereas London is only about half an hour away. So, you know, it, it was very familiar. And I, you know, I've been in this country for 10 years. But at the same time, I decided to go to Duke because I wasn't exactly sure on biomedical engineering, or uh, biomedical sciences. I'm sorry. You know, I, I know I like this sort of stuff and i like uh, and I'd like to pursue a career somewhere medicine related. Um, but Duke University sort of had gave me options, gave me options to try other things and the potential to switch around and the potential to be more flexible, I guess. And also with the opportunity to apply to med school, whereas I wouldn't get that at UCL, I would have to apply for postgraduate medicine, which um, in the UK is very, very rare, whereas in the US it's very common. So that's what
0: Yeah I love that you had that forward planning aspect like it's not just about your immediate undergrad it's about what comes next potentially and what are your chances on either side to make that happen and that swayed you towards Duke so that's clever thinking. Did you end up discussing that with your strategists at all or did you make the decision on your own? Uh, No I I just I ended up discussing
1: it with my parents quite extensively talking to professors of both universities and you know uh, trying to figure out the logistical things and see see if going to Duke was even logistically possible with visas and fees and everything like that. But uh, no, we, we made that decision sort of in-house. On okay. our own. It was quite a tight schedule as I was going back to school and everything. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, had, had to kind of scramble there a little bit, but I think you've made a very sound decision for sure. For students who are about to go through this application process, either the US or the UK, what advice would you give them based on your experiences?
1: Start early, I think. And I think you should um sort of do your research whenever you can. So whenever you get a spare moment, even if it's 10 minutes, five minutes, just have a read of you know where you want to go, the programs you want to do, sort of the extracurriculars and the clubs and the societies that each uh university offers, and write your essays early. You know, start thinking about what you're gonna write constantly. You never know when an idea is gonna pop into your head. I remember um I had just finished work for Oxford uh, for prepping for an Oxford interview one night. And um, it was very late. It was about 2am. I was just in the shower and um, an idea popped in for one of the essays. So I cut my shower short and jumped out of the shower and rushed back to write for another, like an hour and a half. And you know, there it was, there was a the draft of the essay. So I think, you know, having, having that stuff constantly on your mind is, is, is good. I, I recommend that just because you never know when an idea is going to pop into your mind and as with writing I, I would say again start early um there is an awful lot to write for the us compared to the uk and um it sort of creeps up on you. you you think you have time and suddenly you know you have like five essays to write in a week and you know i always think leave yourself a little bit of margin of error uh, with these things but yeah um and one tip about writing is just write honestly um, mm-hmm you know, you know yourself best and, you know, you can talk, talk about yourself and write about yourself the best when you're telling the truth and you're really t- talking about yourself as a character rather than making up facts or whatever. So, and and I think the, the admissionist can definitely tell when you're being truthful. And even if it's, you know, something embarrassing or something not, not so glamorous, I think they appreciate the honesty.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think it's uh, you know, upon students to not fall into the trap of rehashing their, you know, highlights of their life or their resume or whatever it might be and actually just speaking honestly to try and let the admission officers know, like, who you are really and not just, like, your achievements because the achievements have their moment in the application, no doubt, but the essay is the, the chance to really kind of bare your soul a little bit and and see if you're a good fit for the university. But, you know, that's some fantastic advice. And Wayne, I'm wishing you all the best of luck when you go to Duke. Thank you for giving us a bit of an insight into your academics, although we didn't touch on the SAT. Did you do that, SAT? I took the ACT.
1: I uh, I took the ACT twice, um, and it was Duke Super Scores, so I was super scored up to 34. This was right before. So I took the ACT very early as well, so right before the pandemic hit. So I was lucky enough to have a score and get that out the way before everything sort of shut down.
0: Yeah, 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 no, that's a uh, that's a good tactic there for sure. Uh, particularly with COVID hypny happening, like that was the only way to go about it, really. Uh, yeah, but anyway, Wayne, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and, and discussing all things applications to both the US and the UK. Wishing you all the best of luck in the US and enjoy the last couple of months there in the UK. Hopefully, things stay COVID normal as most as you know as much as possible. And uh, yeah, you get over there to Duke for some in-person classes, hopefully. Hopefully so. Thanks for listening to Top of the Class. Subscribe for future episodes. For show notes and to plan your best future, head to crimsoneducation.org.